Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29, and this is the podcast where we talk about the Word of God and how it can bring transformation and renewal into our lives, especially as we reflect on the first reading at Mass. Mary, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Father John, but... But what? Let's go, Lions. Let's go, Lions. So we are giddy here. So you have to forgive our bantering on, on football. It's, it's, be, it's like a sports podcast it's now, the Father middle, John. Hey, that's right. You know, you, you could be like the fabulous sports babe. Remember that person who was uh, on Sports Talk Radio years ago? I um, We don't know what to do in the middle of January in the state of Michigan playing football. So full disclosure, uh, my grandfather was one of the owners of the Detroit Lions before the Ford family bought them. He sold them to the Ford family. He was one of the owners. And we have in our office, we, do. we see it every day, the 1957 NFL World wool. Championship wool blanket, wool Detroit Lion blanket. Now, I don't want to take credit for the Michigan National Championship, but I will say that a certain person from the University of Michigan football team was in the office and touched the blanket. So I don't know that that's responsible or not. <laughs> but we're giddy around here over football, so we are. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful little diversion, and in a in a city like Detroit, uh, in all seriousness, it's a tremendous means to bring unity and uh, and to galvanize people. So Gosh, it's just been kind absolutely. of absolutely. Amen to that, Father John. That said, I I'm really um, I'm really eager for the, this uh, conversation that we're going to have. I think the Lord's word at first glance is probably. Uh, for most of us, really irrelevant and unrelatable and Hard actually might turn out to be remarkably relevant and relatable. So the title of the podcast is? Terrifying Intimacy. Oh, let's get into it. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for uh, this opportunity we have right now to listen to, reflect on, ponder your word. We thank you that you are always speaking to us most especially in the scriptures. So we ask right now that your Holy Spirit would be upon Mary and upon me, that we would hear what it is that you want us to talk about in the way that you want us to talk about it so that it would help to bring healing and wholeness and transformation in our lives and in the lives of all those who are listening. Help us to grow in our friendship with you. Help us to know you as our Father and our own identity as your beloved sons and daughters, whom you call by name. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, next Sunday's first reading comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Moses spoke to all the people, saying, a prophet like me will the Lord your God raise up for you from among your own kin. To him you shall listen. This is exactly what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not again hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire any more lest we die. And the Lord said to me, This was well said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their kin and will put my words into his mouth. He shall tell them all that I command him. Whoever will not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I myself will make him answer for it. 
But if a prophet presumes to speak in my name an oracle that I have not commanded him to speak, or speaks in the name of other gods, he shall die. All right, so let's start with this. How do you think the typical person sitting in the pew is going to respond to that reading? I think their jaw is going to drop. I think they're going to have more questions, right, than they have answers. Like we might know who Moses is, but we might not understand the why behind they asked for a prophet. But I think more importantly than that, like if I'm sitting in the pew and I hear this, I'm going, I'm sure there's something in here for me. I'm not sure what it is. I don't know what it is. Can we just move on to the second Uh, reading? And and, and what's coming up next? Maybe there's something in the psalm, but how does this apply to my life? Yeah. So, you know, we just got an email from a good friend of ours who said he was just uh, offering encouragement, saying how much he appreciates the podcast because he struggled. This This is a daily communicant who struggles mightily with the Old Testament. And I think most, most people struggle mightily with the Old Testament. That's why we do this podcast is to try to look at God's word in the Old Testament, um, which is so important for us as disciples of Jesus to understand because Jesus is Jewish. You know, like, so again, I want to remind people of the quote that St. Jerome said, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Jesus. And he's writing that in a commentary on Isaiah, which is in the Old Testament. And his point is, if you don't understand that, then you're really never going to understand fully who Jesus is, which makes most of us pull our hair out because I don't understand the Old Testament. So that said, let's try to let's try to break this open a little bit. And we had a series of conversations earlier throughout the week just about what was the Lord saying to you and what was the Lord saying to me. And we were in we were kind of on different not different pages, but different things were jumping out mm-hmm. at us. And then I think just in the last day or so, we were struck. Uh, in a similar fashion, I think, by one line. So let's mm-hmm. let's latch on to the one line. And the one line in the reading is when Moses says to the people, this is exactly what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not again hear the voice of the Lord our God nor see this great fire anymore lest we die. Well, now let's just think about that. That's an odd thing to ask for. How many people do you know who say, I never hear God? I'd love to hear God speak to me. Mm-hmm. And they're frustrated because they don't hear him speak. Right. And yet here's a bunch of people who are hearing God going, uh, uh, you no talk to you. him. No, thank you. We've had enough of that guy. So <laughs> You go ahead and talk to him. Tell us what he said. Yeah. So it's helpful to know why. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, like why the ask? Like when did that ask first come? And what was the why behind why they asked Moses? Right. That? So what we want to encourage people, it doesn't, because of the internet and all that we have access to online, it doesn't take a lot of work to do some basic scripture study. So whether you've got a hard copy Bible in front of you, or you've got an online Bible, you'll have, as you're looking at Deuteronomy, a little footnote in your Bible pointing you to when exactly they said this to God. And they said it to him at Horeb. What's Horeb? Horeb's another name for Mount Sinai. This is found in two places in Exodus, Exodus chapter 19 and then Exodus chapter 20. So Exodus 19 is when Israel arrives at Sinai. So those of you who are old enough to have seen the Ten Commandments, here's Moses, you know, Charlton Heston's at the mountain and you know, all the thunder and lightnings going off and the people are over there on the plain and Moses is climbing up the mountain. And then this is where God gives 
what are commonly called the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words, the Ten Gifts, right? And this is what God says. So, so try to picture this if you're a visual person, okay, as best you can. So this is why the ask is made by the people of Israel to Moses. You go talk to him. We're going to stand over here. This is in uh, chapter 19 of Exodus, starting in verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their garments, be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. Oh, okay. So suddenly you have my attention. Cause for fear. <laughs> I, I might have been tuned out it. until now, but I'm listening now. You just said I might be put to death. So, okay. The, one of the reasons I'm saying uh, you go talk to him is because I've been warned not to come close. Then he goes on. The Lord threw Moses to the people. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down and told all the people this. Then later on in verse or in chapter 20, starting in verse 18, it says, Now when all the people, this is right after the Ten Commandments are given, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid. Duh, of course, right? Justifiable. And trembled and they stood off. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, don't fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. And the people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. So that's the context. So they've been, they've, they've made this request that God would raise up a prophet like Moses who would speak to them because they've, one, been told by God, don't come near me, which seems a little strange. We'll get, try to break that open. And two, um, it scares the living daylight out of them. It's the manifestation of his power. Exactly. And his presence. Yeah. And so what, what, what they experienced was, what was this, um, um, this profound fear justifiable fear mm -hmm. juxtaposed against what we might call awe. Yeah. And we'll get right? to that in a moment. Maybe. Right. But, but I'm, I'm just making that distinction yeah, right. here because I would have the same reaction they had. Yeah. It's a healthy response. Yeah. 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 I see lightning. I, I hear that. I listen to that. Yeah. No, thank you. I'm good. You, you <laughs> get, get me a messenger. You with the long beard, you go talk to the guy. We're going to go over here yeah. and find yeah, what yeah, we yeah. can. Now let's contrast that if we can quickly, because this is something that I think we want to just, uh, call to mind so that we can break open one of the things that we would in, that we find the Lord speaking to us in this passage. Let's contrast this with the passage that's found in chapter 12 of Hebrews in the New Testament. I want you to read for us what it is that the author says there. Sure, Father John. So this is Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse 18 uh, through the end of 24. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, 
and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers entreat that no further message be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. So suddenly I, I know exactly what this is talking about, right? You're Absolutely. saying like, you're Here's not those people. For that. That's yeah. right. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to a judge who is God of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks more graciously than the blood of Abel. Right. So, Father John, we're getting two very distinctive approaches here. So what gives? What's yeah, so, so the author to the Hebrews is drawing on this passage from Exodus, and he's, he's um, painting an image for them saying, once God spoke like this to us, but now is God speaking in a different way to us? Once we were told to be afraid and to not come close, now we're being invited to come close. So was one of those wrong? And here's how I would encourage us to think about it. Uh, this is something like a divine pedagogy. So you're a mom and you're watching your grandsons grow up right now. So you're watching your daughter do with them what you did with her. And I think every parent gets this. Uh, and maybe it's helpful analogy for how God works with us. So the, the end goal of a parent this is how I experienced it with my dad, especially my mom too, but my dad is a son. My dad wanted me to be when I was older, a friend, always maintaining the relationship that he was my father, but he wanted me to be a friend. But when I was young, I was not his friend. Like I forget who says it this way. I've always loved it. Like a parent's job is to civilize barbarians. <laughs> You know, like especially boys. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're we we are fallen creatures, and we are inclined to selfishness. And if you don't know that, you haven't had children. Uh, so we we're, in, we're we're little barbarians. And my dad disciplined me, trained me. Um, I had a really healthy fear of my dad when I was a child. But as I got older, while always maintaining he was my father, I was invited into friendship with him in a way that wouldn't have been appropriate when I was a child. I wouldn't have known how to handle it. And I think God does something similar. There's a divine pedagogy. And, and the goal that God has for us is sonship, daughtership, friendship. friendship. Jesus calls us friends. But I have to keep in mind who it is this one who's inviting me into this relationship is. And that's how we get this podcast episode title of terrifying intimacy. What we mean by that is God's inviting us into remarkable intimacy, but I always want to have, I, I, I tremble to say it this way. I want to be careful that I'm not casual with God. And that's the terrifying part. Like, what was the quote from St. Catherine of Siena oh, yeah, that she was sharing? I was talking to you about this before we recorded. You know, I think our Lord says something to her in prayer, something like, I am he who is and you are she who is not. Yeah, hear that again. 
I am he who is, you are she who is not. Yeah, so we come into God's presence and we want to come into God's presence with an awareness of this is not like my rich uncle Bob. This is the creator of the universe who is beautiful, powerful, majestic, beyond anything I can fathom. And I would be wise to keep that in mind. I mean, that's the terror part, right? Yeah, but I, I, I think that is, I mean, I, I, th- I think what you've said makes so much sense. Not only that, that, that natural progression from moving from being a, a parent to a friend to our adult children. I, I don't know that for me, back to what I was talking about earlier, um, I, I'm making the distinction between fear, like, like we hear this holy fear. We, use, mm. we hear the term holy fear of God. Well, the only way that I, in my head, the way I get my head around, well, what is holy fear? Right. And and I would define it as awe. Like, like how do you even get your head around like going before the blessed sacrament and knowing that you're in the presence of the body, blood, soul, and divinity right. of our Lord? Yeah, and that's right? what we, and, so, yeah. And, and so for me, I mean, how do you even get your head around that? I appreciate like we're not, we're not to be casual. How can we be? I mean, you, we fall on our knees and we just say like, here I am. I know you're on the throne. Yeah. You're, you're just trying to get your head around that conversation. Yeah. So not terror in the sense of, I think God's Frankenstein and he's here to bite my head off. Not that kind of terror, not that kind of fear. There's a fear like, Oh my gosh, I think you're a, you're a, you're dangerous in the wrong sense of the word versus fear, which is more aligned to the awe that you're talking about. I'm not supposed to be afraid of God in the sense that God's Frankenstein. I am supposed to be Um, someone who maintains a fear of the Lord, which is awe, meaning I come into his presence and I'm like, there is no other like this. I have no analog. You're not like the president or the richest man on earth. You are the creator of everything that exists. And if I were to see you right now, I would explode because I wouldn't be able to take that in. Right? Right, right. So that's the terrifying part. But I also need to fight for the intimacy part. And the intimacy comes from the fact that this one who is absolutely other calls me son and calls you daughter. And wants to be in friendship. Yeah, he invites with he, us. He, he is defined, you know, for those who of us who are tempted to think Old Testament, harsh God, New Testament, gentle God, like there's no there, there is no that's not a reality. One of my favorite descriptions of, of God in the Old Testament is he is the Lord and lover of our souls. Mm. Like that's God. He's always other. He is he who is and I am he who is not. And yet this one who's absolutely other and more majestic than anything I can imagine is the Lord and lover of my soul. And Jesus is my brother as well as my Lord. And he's my goel, which means he considers me like a blood relationship and he's laid down his life for me and he's gone to battle for me and he's defeated Satan for me and he's defeated death for me. And that's the intimacy that I'm invited into and maintaining this balance Mm -hmm. of terror and intimacy or awe and intimacy is challenging. So you, I, I love the way you always pull us back to how do we apply this to us? So what would, how can I grow? Let me ask that to you. How would you suggest I can grow in terrifying intimacy or what keeps me from it? 
Yeah, so I, I would say, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind, Father John, is, um, is uh, many, many of us have a distorted image of the Father for, for a host of, you know, for a host of reasons, you know, we often talk about like the father wounds we had, we might've had an abusive father or an absent father mm. or a father who struggled with all manner of addictions, whatever that is. And, and, and so that, so we juxtapose that onto our father, you yes, know, God the, must be like that. The I father. father. So, so, so that's the only image that I have. And so I think maybe a way to, to heal that particular um, barrier so we can grow in intimacy is just to ask Jesus to show us who the Father is. Yeah, because Jesus says, when he you says, see when me, you, you see, see the me, Father. You see the Father. Yeah. And, and then I think maybe like directly flowing from that, um, very few of us understand and appreciate who we are. Mm. Like who we, who we are. What's our dignity? What's our identity? So if we struggle with who the Father is, I think that what flows from that is, do I know who I am? Do, know, do I know that I'm deeply loved, that I'm precious and beloved? Can, can I go back to the Father yeah, real quick? Because yeah, yeah. two things hit me as you were talking about that. One is like I, I love asking Jesus to show us the Father and maybe in a particular way, Ask him that as you are praying in front of a crucifix. So there is no, there is no greater, like I used to always ask couples in marriage prep, can you draw a picture of love? And usually they would say no. And I would say, I think you can actually, I think it looks like Jesus on the cross because God is love. And that's the fullest manifestation of love is him literally giving every last drop of his body out of love for you and me. Uh, on the cross. So maybe just to go in front of a crucifix, whether it's in a chapel or in our homes or on the phone, pull it up and just ask Jesus as we're looking at him there, Lord, help me to know when I see this, you're showing me how much the father loves me that he, it, here's a, this is really important. I think a lot of us wrongly have the idea of God. The father is something like, Okay, so he didn't punish me. Instead, he punished Jesus. I think, I'm glad you made that distinction. And a lot think of people think that way. That's absolutely. not what's happening. He's not, that's not what's happening. Um, the, the passion of Jesus is a Trinitarian act, like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all involved here. Um, ask the Lord, Lord, help me to see the Father as I'm looking at you pouring out yourself for me, because you are the image of the invisible God. Not sometimes, all the time. You are the image of the invisible God. The, the other thought that came to me as you were talking about fathers is for those of us who are listening who are fathers, John Paul used to uh, encourage men who were dads. He says, uh, remember that the, the mission and the task of fatherhood is to reveal and relive on earth the very fatherhood of God. Like, good luck with that, right? But I remember being able to tell my dad, I remember writing him one time, like, you have, because my dad was such a great father, you have modeled for me. I have the image of God that I have. I know this because of you. Like, you've taught me, broken as you are, you've taught me a healthy image of God. Now, I know I am in a massive minority in that. Yes, you are. But he did. And so for those of you who are dads, like ask the Lord, Lord, help me to be someone who reveals and relives you to my children best I can. 
Amen. That's so. It's all such great stuff, Father John. I, I've heard you say so many times that that's one of the reasons you have so many crucifixes um, mm. in your like in your rectory where you know where you live at the parish. And I know even in our in our space here on our campus here in X twenty nine, we have crucifixes everywhere. And when we understand what is actually ha- what God is doing. He's pouring out his love for us. I just think that's one of the most practical things for all of us. And I would imagine that our friends who are listening have crucifixes throughout the house. And so it's something very practical and very easy to do. I'm taken back to a conversation that I had in a coffee shop many years ago uh, with an evangelical brother who actually worked there. And um, I always wear a crucifix around my neck. And he said, why why do you wear a crucifix and not the cross? Mm. And I said, because I need to see him. Mm. I need to see what he did for me. Because incumbent, after I'm looking at this, it demands a response. Like that's love poured out. I want to pour my love out for you. Yeah. Love begets love, right? Yeah. So anyway, um, that's kind of a rabbit hole I know. So, so thank you. So, so we've talked about, the identity of the father, like who the father is, asking Jesus to help heal that wound, any distorted image we have of the father, and asking God to even heal our own understanding of who we are, that we are beloved daughters and beloved sons of a beautiful, good, and gracious God. And and, go ahead, you were gonna say something. If I can, um, so this is the part, these are like equally weighted, I think, right? Some of us have... I think all of us have a distorted image of God and I think all of us have a distorted image of self and God wants to heal them both. So what the percentages of each, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I know a lot of people who struggle massively. Like I can totally believe God calls you beloved daughter. I massively struggle with God calling me beloved son. And I, so I know most people wrestle with that. Why? Cause you, I know me <laughs> and and I don't know you, I don't know any other person like I know me and most especially my struggles. We just had a conversation with a guy not too long ago who was sharing with us that a, a friend of his who he hadn't talked to in a long time called him up and just needed to talk. This, the, to somebody after 30 years, right? It yeah, it was all, yeah, quite, yeah. after quite some time. So he, they'd known each other in some context, doesn't matter when. And um, this guy's apparently, a you know, like a pillar of his church. He's very active. He's got a great, you know, he's a, he's a disciple of Jesus. And yet he's struggling and, you know, and like a lot of people with an addiction to pornography he had nobody to talk to. So he, he, he reaches out to somebody who, he, you know, lives long way away and hadn't talked to in a long time. And I'll bet, I'll bet this person has a massively difficult time going into God's presence. Dan Allender, who I know you've read and I've Love read and listened work. to. Yep. I heard him on a, uh, on a video one time talking about people who have been everything from sexually abused to battle with addictions. And he, he's made a, a comment that I'll never forget. He just said, I think most of us fear that deep down we just disgust God. So that's the, that's the wound that we have about ourselves, right? And the Lord wants to heal that too. Absolutely. And, and there's so much of what you just shared, Father John, that, 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 that's worthy of unpacking. And I'll, I'll try to make this really brief. 
I think sometimes what, because we all have something deep inside of us that even when we do go to prayer, we may take a whole set of things to the Father in prayer except that, mm. whatever that is, because everyone has a that. Because if I go there and I invite you into intimacy, into whatever that place is, it's going to require something of me. So we don't tell anybody else and we don't tell God. And, 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 and the awesome and beautiful reality is God already knows all about whatever your that is, and he sees it. And how often do we hear people say, if you really knew me and all my sin and all my ugliness and all of who I am, you would run. And so we, we, we lay over on top of God the Father, our human reaction, what we think people would do if they knew all of us, the good, the bad, the ugly, the broken, the fractured, the scars. And that's just not how God is. He already knows all of those places and he's just dying for you to come. He died for you to come to sit with him, to open up those places. Does that, I mean, does that make sense? And we all have that room in our heart, those really, really hard places that we don't want to allow God in. Like I want intimacy with you, but not there. Yeah, you're making me immediately think of the Sisters of Life have published recently a, a litany f, um, for priests and seminaries, seminarians to pray, and somebody handed it off to me recently, and I, I've been praying part of it every day. It's really powerful, and I'm, it's so new to me. I, I'm going to probably butcher this, but someone will correct us. It's something. The first part of it is something like, I'll, I'm trying to do this from memory, so it's... Lord, in those places where I am afraid or ashamed to raise my eyes, love me there. Mm. And it is so powerful. It, you know, in all my addictions, love me there. Uh, in all my brokenness, love me there. In those places where I'm afraid of you, love me there. That, that's what's coming to mind as I'm listening to you right now is just God is not like that. Exactly. He's not like the person who, if he really found out about me, would run because God so already knows you. about me and he doesn't run. Instead, he invites me into this remarkable intimacy because he wants, I, I don't have to, well, let's, maybe we can close with this. How many of us grew up with God helps those who help themselves? It's, it's, Pretty universal, All right? of us, right? It's yeah. certainly not scriptural. You can't find a more biblical an, a more unbiblical yeah, expression than that. Like God helps those who are incapable of helping themselves. This is not a, his love, his intimacy, his friendship is not a reward for good behavior. He looks at me and says, um, excuse me, dum dum, uh, you're broken, but I can put you back together and I'm not repelled by you and I love you. And I want to heal you and I want to restore you and I want to welcome you into um, a friendship which will utterly transform your life. And then I want to use you to tell others they don't have to be afraid of me either. And in fact, your brokenness is what's going to help them understand that they don't have to be afraid of me either. And if we're honest, it's our brokenness that attracts us to God, uh, not our holiness. Blessed right? be Jesus. Amen. So brothers and sisters, just want to encourage us in the week ahead. Let's just Ask Jesus, Jesus, just heal and expose every deformed image I have of the Father. It might be a great exercise in prayer. Write down, how do I see God? 
Like write it down. How do I see the Father? And then ask Jesus just to speak truth into those, if there's any deformity there or lie there, just speak truth into that, Lord, so that the, the deformed image can be overlaid with the appropriate and the accurate image. And then how do I see myself? How do I think God sees me? And write that down. And then ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how do you really see me? And write that down. And then as the Lord is just like breathing life into us, then let's run from our chapels or our homes or wherever we're encountering the Lord to tell others of the one that we met, even as we watch the disciples do in the Gospels. And because all of this is true, do not be afraid. God is with you. And you were born for this. (laughs) 